So here's the first question. How much of a home loan can I afford? You should work closely with your lender to determine a reasonable loan amount and monthly payment given your income and other debt obligations. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. Today's Wednesday, December 10th. It's about 3.32 p.m. here in New York City. We're going to continue our look at the terrible consequences of small decisions. But first, Adam Davidson, I think you have a Planet Money indicator for us. Yeah, today's is a, is a tough one for us. It's 64. That's the number of colleagues at NPR who are, who are being laid off today uh, because of NPR's financial difficulties that stem out of the financial crisis and the recession. I think we can add to it, Adam, the number two, which is two shows that are facing upcoming cancellation. That's News and Notes and Day to Day, both of which are produced out of the Culver City, California studios. We believe that Planet Money is here. Yes, we, we're, we're a small staff, and, and, and obviously this is a crucial story to cover. But it, it's, a, it's a tough day for all of us here at NPR. We've been talking about layoffs in the abstract, and, and today's a day where, you know, it, it hits home. Yeah, it's no fun. We're going to start today with a listener check-in from a woman named Amy Cohen. Adam, you have her story, right? If there's a competition for whoever's the least fortunate or, or the, the most unlucky in this housing crisis, I think she, she's got a claim for possibly being that person. She bought a house as a student without a lot of money at the very peak of the housing market. She, she bought this house for $230,000 with a loan from her grandmother uh, to pay the down payment. And a month later, housing prices started to fall. She got one of these kind of fancy mortgages. Uh, this was one specially geared towards students that allowed her to pay off a minimum amount every month, but it wouldn't eat into the principal. It would only pay off interest. Her thinking was, well, housing prices will continue to go up, and in a few years, I can just sell it at an inflated price, pay off my loan, and make something for my trouble. Of course, the next month, housing prices started to fall. She can't get out of the loan. She actually tried to sell the house last year and did not get a single bidder. Not one? Not one. That's what she says. And... um She's really in a tough state. She was paying off the mortgage with a boyfriend who was living with her. They broke up. So Amy just, she doesn't know really what the right thing to do is, but she's considering taking a a pretty drastic step. Uh, This caught Planet Money's Alex Bloomberg's eye, and and he gave Amy a call, and, and this is their conversation. I wanted to know if I should stop paying my mortgage because I read an article that said, um, that it was possible that the government bailouts would help people to refinance into better long-term loans or like with better rates. But the only way that you could take advantage of that would be if you were behind in your payments or if you were almost in foreclosure. So I thought, well, if that's the case, then I'll just stop paying. And, you know, maybe I'll be able to benefit from those billions of dollars that the government wrote into the bailout. Because right now you are not two months behind. No, I've been like, I've been struggling to keep up with the payments. I cannot afford, like if if I keep having to pay the mortgage, like I will have to not do other things that I need. And are you, 
So, so, so your question is: Should you should you sort of just stop making the payments for mm-hmm. a couple months and see if you're eligible? And how do how do you feel about that? What does that make you feel when you think about that? Give me all the conflicted feelings that you might. Is it just relief, or is it sort of like? It, at this point, it is sort of relieving to think about not having to pay. I mean, like, even if it was for a few months that I wouldn't have to pay, if it would help me in the long run, then I would feel relieved about that. Mm-hmm. But then I do feel conflicted because this whole time, the whole point of buying the house was, like, to build equity, to build credit, and now that would sort of all go down the drain. Right. But also, I guess, it brings up feelings for me... Um, about the bailout, mm-hmm. it's like, why should all those rich CEOs of banks get bailed out, but not us? I mean, it should, I feel like kind of angry because I feel like it needs to, why, why didn't they just take $700 billion and pay off every single individual's credit card debt or something like that? That would be what would really help, help us. Mm-hmm. Right. And do, do you feel like, do you feel like if, if, if the idea of the bailout had mm-hmm. not been brought up, do you, th- do you think that you, this would even be crossing your mind at this point? Well, I think that the fin- my financial troubles would still would be the same. Mm-hmm. As far as like stopping paying my mortgage, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe if it wasn't for the bill, I might be thinking about something else like bankruptcy. Right. But I think that either way, yeah, I would still be in this situation where I would be looking for any way that I could make things easier on myself, right, my family. Right. We wanted to place Amy's quandary in a broader context. And so we thought there's, there's no one better to ask about the mortgage situation in America today than Amr Sufi, who's a professor of finance at University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. So the interesting thing about Amy is she's actually current. She she has not missed a payment, even though it, it's obviously incredibly difficult for her. She is thinking about stopping payment on her mortgage just to qualify for, for government assistance. It, it, that strikes me as not a terribly good situation where the government is setting up a program that encourages people who are paying their mortgages to stop paying their mortgages. Right. So I completely agree with that. I think one of the things the government always wants to be very careful in forming some kind of bailout program is that you don't induce people that would otherwise be solvent on their payments, meaning you know just making their payments, not defaulting, to do what we economists use a term that I think is, is very relevant here, to strategically default. And I think that's a very nice term to to think about. And what it means is you're not really defaulting on your mortgage because you have to default. You're doing it in a strategic manner because you're hoping to get concessions from the mortgage lender. I would say with Amy's case, it's not obvious that she's just going to default only because of the bailout. It sounds like she's in some severe financial difficulty, and she's saying maybe bankruptcy would be her other option. But in general, I completely agree that the government has tried its best Um, and should continue to try to prevent people from strategically defaulting, or, in other words, prevent people who would otherwise be solvent on their payments from defaulting on their mortgages. Because we have a situation now in the United States where there are millions of people defaulting, and and by default we mean missing 
one, two, or three monthly payments, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Defaulting's pre-foreclosure. Right. Millions of people are defaulting for economic hardship reasons. Right. We don't want to add to that another million or two or three who are defaulting just to take advantage of some government program. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there has been a lot of policy proposals on how do you structure the bailout in a way that doesn't encourage a lot of people to default on their homes who don't need to default, who are actually financially solvent, they still have their jobs, still have strong income, and the only reason they would be defaulting is to try to take advantage of a lower interest payment or a lower principal that is coming via a government program. I would add, just in, you know, to Amy's comment, I think she's mistaken in the belief that she would automatically get some bailout money if she defaulted. The law she's actually talking about that's on the books now is called the Hope for Homeowners Act, and that's actually only voluntary for mortgage lenders. In other words, if I default on my mortgage, it's not that the government just steps in and lowers my interest payment and, and, and reduces my principal. The lender also has to agree to go to the government, and together we go together to get uh, you know, a more a, a, a better mortgage in terms of a lower rate, and the government provides some insurance from the Federal Housing Administration. So it's not as if people can just go out there and default on their homes and the government reduces their payment. The lender also has to agree that this person really is insolvent, we want to renegotiate this mortgage, and that's the only way they qualify for any federal aid. So it sounds like, and, and we don't like giving personal financial advice or personal legal advice, but it sounds like it's not the worst idea in the world for, for people in Amy's shoes to, to call the people who service their mortgage and just say, what's available for me? That's exactly is that what right. You, That's yeah. exactly right. But I think this does get into an interesting area, which has been a huge criticism uh, of the new administration coming in, and that is the law that was passed in the summer of 2007 was supposed to try to prevent foreclosures through this voluntary mechanism. Effectively, it gave insurance on the renegotiated mortgage if the lender and the borrower agreed to go to the bank and renegotiate the mortgage downwards. Effectively, very, very little renegotiation has, has taken place. And that's why foreclosures are still going through the roof. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but that has been a principal thing that uh, President-elect Obama has been saying he wants to do differently as some more aggressive form of basically a mortgage bailout. And that's why your questions here, I think, are so important, because whatever additional law they decide to do must take into account this strategic default behavior. In other words, they should be worried about people who start defaulting, even though they don't, they don't have any reason to default. They have the money to make their payments. But is that solvable? I mean, isn't it just inherent if you are I mean, You know, I'm sure not all the banks that are getting bank bailout money are... I don't I want to say not deserving. I don't even know if that's the right word, but don't need that money to survive. Um, you know, there's one of, of them the said they didn't want to take it. One yeah. of them said they didn't want to take it of the three right. auto companies. You know, people say, well, Ford's in slightly better conditions. Maybe they don't need the money as much. Right. But it seems like as soon as the government opens their coffers, lots of businesses, lots of people are going to do whatever it takes to to grab some of that dough. Right, right. Let me give you an example of of one of the policy proposals out there to put a little bit more concreteness on this, on how you might be able to avoid this type of behavior when people who don't really need the money try to get the money. Um, and this is uh, similar to something one of my colleagues here at the Booth School of Business is, is talking about, and that's Luigi Zingales. Um, 
his proposal is to is to basically force lenders to renegotiate mortgages. Now, if you only did that, that would be a very bad idea because everyone would go back to their bank and try to get a lower principal, lower interest payment. But instead, he says things like, you can only renegotiate your mortgage if the value of your home since you've bought it has declined by 20%. Okay, so immediately, if you live in an area and house prices are not declining, you don't qualify for this program. You have no need to renegotiate your mortgage. Because you could sell it. You could you could sell it or you can refinance to take some more equity out to make your payments. Basically, you're not at risk of defaulting if your home value is still going up. Um, or at least treading water. Right, or at least treading water, right. So that's one element. The other element, which I think is even more dramatic and, and probably more effective, is he has proposed, and I think this is getting some attention in, in, in D.C., he has proposed that if you accept a bailout from the mortgage you know, from a mortgage bailout. So if the government renegotiates your mortgage and provides some insurance and you're able to lower your interest payment or reduce your principal, then when you sell the home in the future, you have to give up half of the additional equity in your home that you make when you sell the home. So if you think about this, this is a punishment mechanism. It says you can get the bailout money, but if you decide to get the bailout money and say your home appreciates say, $100,000 more after you get the bailout money and you sell the property, then you have to give $50,000 to the lender or to the government. It can work either way. So by, that, by doing that, you can effectively, hopefully, prevent people from participating in this bailout unless they really, really need it. So the whole idea is to make this as unattractive a choice as possible so only the truly desperate will turn to it? That's exactly right. That's exa- that's a, actually, it's funny that you word it like that. That's a very common solution in a lot of economic mechanisms that the government does. If you think about welfare, if you think about Medicaid, a lot of times those programs have to be bad enough that people who don't really need them won't go on them. And that's exactly why the government does it that way. It's an unfortunate outcome because you don't want to have to make things bad, but that's the only way to get a people who are actually financially solvent from actually taking the bailout money uh, when it's not really needed. Amr, you're very interested in the consumer aspect of the recession, right? Mm-hmm. Can, can we talk a little bit about what it means to you as an economist that the government is turning attention toward the home buying habits? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting what's happened. And I think, you know, we started this conversation back in September, and that was always one of my initial points, was that I was surprised that the government had was not focusing as much on consumers, and specifically the housing sector, because at its core, this is a housing crisis. It's been a high housing crisis from the beginning. And there's been several policy proposals just in the last month that I think um, – are very interesting and potentially have an important impact. So one that I think your viewers might be most interested to hear is this proposal by the Treasury to try to push 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rates down to 4.5%. And anyone out there who has a mortgage, has you know their mortgage rate is higher than 4.5% almost assuredly. So the idea is we'll get the entire economy to, uh, we'll get the entire economy to refinance their homes at lower interest rates and that might be able to boost up home buying and home purchasing and maybe even consumption if people take money out of their homes in order to buy more goods. But Amr, what, now that deal was the opposite of what you were talking about, right? This was a really attractive offer, 4.5%. You know, that anyone would want, to, as you said, anyone would want that rate for their mortgage. But it's only for the highest quality right, borrowers, right? right? It's, it's for people... 
I think yeah. this is you've picked up on a fascinating point, and that is this is a very. Politi- I'm going to tell you a secret, Amr. I picked up on that because you sent me an email telling me that. Oh, so. that's right. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have good sources, so that's so yes. brilliant, brilliant yeah. in and of itself. But uh, but I think what's fascinating about it is that what's going on now, and I think it's politically more viable is you only allow people with the highest quality mortgages. So by highest quality, what I mean is they have to have a loan or an equity-to-value ratio. or They basically have to have at least 20% of their value in equity, and they have to have a credit score above 660. You're effectively helping the segment of the population that's not really in trouble. Um, and that's pretty fascinating that the government you know, might do this. And to be honest, it might work, right? And the reason it might work is, if you basically say, look, the people who are defaulting on their homes, the people, you know, they're a lost cause. They're going to basically drop their consumption dramatically. They're very levered. They don't have any equity in their homes. But it's the people who are financially healthy right now. Those are the people that are now cutting back on consumption just because they're nervous or because they think the economy is going to tank. This might help them the most. And so you have this dilemma. From a policy perspective, it might help the economy the most, but from kind of a social welfare perspective, we're helping people that don't really need help at all. Um, and that's basically what this proposal seems to be doing. So thank you again to Amr Sufi of the University of Chicago. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. That's a wrap for today's Planet Money. Please uh, send us your letters about how the financial crisis is affecting you, how the recession is affecting you. You can read our blog. You can access our podcast. You can send us notes all through npr.org slash money. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Conaway. And I'm Adam Davidson. Je